MSW Media. News was wearing Daily Beans, Daily Beans, Daily Beans, Daily Beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, November 2nd, 2020. Today, Elizabeth Warren is vying for the job of Secretary of the Treasury should Biden win the election. More evidence Russia is hacking the election. Uh, For the last dozen years or so, Trump's impeachment lawyer Jay Sekulow has been funding a Russian organization tied to Putin. No big deal. Migrant children are now being expelled to Mexico. For weeks now, Trump has been getting his intelligence briefings from nobody but Ratcliffe. And Fauci has some strong words for the president. I'm your host, A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. What's good? What's good? After that introduction? Shit. I mean... (laughs) What do you mean, Brad? What do you mean he's only been getting his intelligence briefings from Radcliffe? Jesus. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It gets worse, too. You'll hear all about it. But yeah, so I've decided to rename this segment because in the script previously, it was just discussion. Right. Opening discussion. I decided to rename it to What's Good, so I stopped asking how people are doing. That's hilarious. Um, But yeah, What's Good comes after all of the dailies of headlines, so it it doesn't quite work out. Um, I'm going to have to rethink the name of this segment again. And I, you know, I, what's good? You know, I don't, we, there's one sleep. We have one sleep left until the last day to vote. And I have bits of hope followed by like intense terror and nausea. So that's what's happening on my end. Yeah. Same Z's. It's, uh, it's, (laughs) but at least it's long. Yeah. At least it takes a long time. True. The, day, the hours are uh, so, yeah. It, 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 I don't even know how to describe <laughs> it. I don't even know how to describe it. I don't think any of us can. We are a day away. Yes. There's not, it's, it's hard to put words to these sorts of feelings since I don't think any of us have had some of them before. Yeah. We're, I'm just sitting here going, I don't even, okay. All right. It's November 2nd. Sweet. Yep. But uh, I do want to bring up the fact that our live election night coverage starts tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern. And uh, we'll be available streaming on all of our socials. And uh, we have amazing guests, including Rachel Vindman, Andy McCabe, Natasha Bertrand, Sam Vinograd, Barb McQuaid, Frank Figluzzi, many more. Well done. Uh, and I'll be simultaneously doing a Zoom call with patrons, patrons only, during that live stream. So it'll just be a second camera on me in a Zoom call so where all of our uh, patrons can hang out and chat. Uh, if you want to become a patron, it's just $3. You get ad-free episodes, newsletter, MSW book club episodes. Episode one of the Weissman Book Club, by the way, is out. This It's art. It just came out on Saturday. It's called Where the Law Ends, the in, Inside the Mueller Investigation. That's out now. Um, you can get all the archives. You can get the seven-part series that, you, Dana, you and I just finished up with Mary Trump. And the final episode is an hour, a little over an hour, with Mary Trump herself. It was amazing to talk to her. It always is. It always is. Yeah, so you can become a patron. Join us election night by heading to patreon.com slash wrote, or you can sign up to be a patron uh, at dailybeans.supercast.tech. Um, today, I'll be talking to the legislative chair of the Pennsylvania Indivisible Steering Committee. She's one of the organizers of Protect the Results in Bucks County, PA. Her name is Kirsten Zolfo. And for our Flip It Blue segment, I'll be chatting with Democratic candidate for Florida's 11th District, Dana Cottrell. And of course, uh, Dana Goldberg, you and I, will be yes. with the good news. We will. I'm excited about that. Uh, we do have a lot of regular shitty news to get to, so let's hit the hot notes. <laughs> hot notes. Baby. 
All right, lead story today. No bigs. President Trump's repeated assertions that the United States is rounding the turn on the coronavirus have increasingly alarmed actual doctors who say the country is headed into a long and deadly winter with an unprepared government, unwilling to make choices, tough choices. And Trump's bullshit is especially concerning to Dr. Fauci, who said Friday, quote, we're in for a whole lot of hurt. It is not a good situation. And Fauci is generally pretty chill. You know, he's not really a alarmist. But he, he, he went on to say, all the stars are aligned in the wrong place as you go into the fall and winter season with people congregating at home indoors. You could not possibly be be positioned more poorly. All the stars are aligned in the wrong place was actually my last reading from a psychic. All the stars are in the wrong place. Great. Okay. Cool. 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 Thanks. Thanks. Totally legal. Totally cool. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks much. Uh, yeah. So they couldn't, it, you could not possibly be positioned more poorly. I think what he, what we're seeing here is you remember how a bunch of people were saying it'll go away in the summer when it's hot, it goes away in the summer. Yes. The reason they were saying that is because generally this kind of shit doesn't happen in the summer because we're all outdoors. We're not congregating indoors. We're not touching each other and sneezing all over each other in, in not ventilated areas. And we're using recycled air. Uh, and that's why the flu tends to happen in the winter months, et cetera. Yeah. And so that people thought it would go away in the summertime. It did not. We had a wave in April and then another wave in August, a bigger one, double. Uh, and now we're facing down even more dire straits. Uh, Fauci said on Friday, we're, we're looking like we could surpass 100,000 cases in a single day, which we did. This is what we were worried about in August right. and it came to pass yesterday. And at his rallies, Trump continues to cry about the ratings COVID is getting. And then he actually blamed doctors for the rise in cases, saying that they're over-reporting because they get more money. And a new study shows that nearly 30,000 people have been infected and 700 are dead as a direct result of Trump's rallies. Uh, by the way, for a second time in a week, his rally goers were stranded in the cold, this time in Pennsylvania. So way to go. And Fauci also talked shit about Scott Atlas. That's the... Uh, neuroradiologist that's an mri guy and trump's favored pandemic advisor who advocates herd immunity letting the virus spread among healthy young people and reopening the country without restrictions he's the only medical advisor that trump regularly meets with and that's according to fauci dr atlas by the way is apologizing today for doing an interview with russian-owned state television network rt saying i recently did an interview with rt and was unaware they are a registered foreign <laughs> agent quote <laughs> I regret doing the interview and apologize for allowing myself to be taken advantage of. It's RT, Russia Today. What did he think? Retweet. He thought it stood for retweet. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rick's television station. Um, <laughs> Roger's thesaurus. What is, how he didn't, he knew. And if he didn't know, somebody tweeted, he's like, then that means he's irreparably stupid yes. and should be fired anyway. I didn't know Russian was a foreign country. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't. Oh, oh, well, you know, I guess the way that, you know, Putin and Trump are attached. It's hard to tell. By parts I won't discuss. Yeah, it's impossible to know. That doesn't seem foreign at all. Uh, and investors have lost now nearly $1.7 trillion this week as stock markets plunged among renewed concerns about coronavirus spreading. 
Uh, of course, Trump is blaming this on Biden. Uh, people think Biden's going to win and it's taking the stock market. No, no, that's not what's happening. The Commerce Department reported on Thursday that the nation's gross domestic product rebound in, in the third quarter rebounded by almost 33 percent. But to get back to normal, it would have had to rebound by 65 percent. So if you see people saying, yeah, fuck yeah, 33 percent, best ever, bro. Nah, not when it's supposed to be 65 percent. Uh, you know, it's just not. And also, that happened to be the quarter where the Treasury injected $10 trillion into the economy and propped up corporate debt and corporate bonds. Right. So, and, and this is also is an immediate thing. The stock market, for those of us that follow it or you know care at all, know that this is actually a future projection. It's like it's 12 to 18 months, I think. This isn't what's happening at this very moment in the country. It's God forbid what's going to happen. Yeah. And it's one measure. You can't look at just that. Speaking of uh, money, though, this one, I actually find this exciting news. Elizabeth Warren wants to be Joe Biden's Treasury Secretary and will make her case for it if he wins next week, according to three Democratic officials who have spoken with her inner circle. Now, other leading contenders for the Treasury slot include Federal Reserve Governor uh, Layout Brainerd, Sarah Bloom Raskin, a former Treasury Department official, and Roger Ferguson, who is a former Federal Reserve Vice Chairman and current CEO a financial services giant TIAA. So tapping Warren, obviously, it's going to rally progressives who have been pushing some quietly, some not so quietly uh, for her to get the role. <laughs> but it would most likely draw strong opposition, as we know, from Wall Street and some moderate Democrats, which is something they have to look at. So a fourth Democratic source, AG, who spoke with former Warren uh, staffer, said if Warren does not get the Treasury spot, she would like to, uh, most likely stay in the Senate and push for a seat on the Chamber's Influential Finance Committee, which oversees the agency, which I also think is a fantastic possibility. Now, another mm. potential obstacle for Warren, and I think most people have thought of this, Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker, if Warren actually takes his position, he's a Republican, so he would appoint her successor under current state law. So Democrats, however, in Massachusetts, they hold a supermajority in the state legislature, so they could potentially decide to amend the current rules, uh, for example, by requiring the government to choose a replacement from the same party as the previous senator, as seven other states already do. So listen, this is what I will say. Elizabeth Warren is a very smart woman. I don't think there is any way she would put herself in the position of taking a position, vacating a Senate seat without knowing that it's going to be taken care of. So, you know, that, that she's getting so much vitriol from people of like, why would you abandon the Senate? She's a smart woman. Yeah. Or that the loss wouldn't make a difference in the Senate voting. Right. Record. Right. Because anywhere between 50, 50 senators, because the vice president breaks a tie and if Biden wins. Kamala Harris would break a tie. So anywhere between 50 and 59 senators is the same fucking amount of senators, right. basically. And she'd be a, she would do a hell of a job on either of those positions. So I'm excited to have her in the cabinet mm -hmm. if that's what she chooses to do. And at the same time, I would love to keep her in the Senate. I think she's phenomenal either way. Yeah. My beans are, I mean, my dream come true is that she does become Secretary of the Treasury. Yeah. Uh, but my beans are on her remaining in the Senate and taking over the Finance Committee there. Because we, you and I have talked about this, Dana. Biden might not want to go full-blown double-barrel middle fingers fuck you Republicans right. with his cabinet appointments and he might just appoint a bunch of incredibly talented people we've never heard of yeah and a lot of those were on that list yeah and you know what I think it would be a smart move especially if you want to see Kamala get another you know uh term or two after this so mm -hmm. I mean I am feeling particularly double-barrel middle finger fuck you Republicans but 
what's good for the country. Absolutely. So anyway, uh, here's something other really quick here. Our intelligence agencies are continuing to unravel under Trump and his pressure. Recently, we learned that Trump wants to get rid of Chris Ray at the FBI and Haspel at the CIA after the election, whether he wins or loses, despite FBI agents associations pending a letter to both Biden and Trump urging them to keep Ray. Uh, in the director's seat, whoever is the next president. But now, as we learned from Reuters, that Fancy Bear attacked the Democratic state parties in California and Indiana earlier this year. We just learned that this weekend. Uh, Trump is receiving even fewer intelligence briefings, and he's not getting them from an intelligence officer like he always does. He's getting them from Ratfucker. He's getting oh, them from Daniel Ratfucker. That's terrifying. Trump has not had a briefing led by his designated briefer, that's Beth Sanner, in more than a month. The last one was that was supposed to be led by her was scheduled for October 2nd, but administration officials said it was canceled when the president disclosed earlier that day he tested positive for coronavirus. <laughs> so, I mean, just think about that statement. The president was supposed to get an intelligence briefing a month ago, and it was canceled because he caught a pandemic that he has been able to, unable to control. Uh, he caught a disease that is now a global pandemic that he has just he's lost control of that just that in and of itself. And of course, the comedian in me, it's just so gross. I mean, who who at this point would want to be Donald's debriefer? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and Ratcliffe has already deleted, you know, when he came into that fucking press conference, he deleted a reference to the Proud Boys, the far right group that supports Trump. Uh, who Iranian hackers pretended to be when they sent spoofed emails to voters. And he added the fact that Iran's effort was intended to hurt Trump's reelection campaign, which is the dumbest thing anyone's ever heard of. Uh, that's Ratcliffe. This is the guy who declassified known debunked Russian intelligence and laundered it into the Senate Judiciary Committee with the help of Lindsey Graham, who can't stop crying because no one likes him. And speaking of Russia... Trump's impeachment lawyer, Jay Sekulow, has been found to run an organization that has given over $3 million over the last decade to a Russian outfit with known ties to Putin. The American Center for Law and Justice, that's the American one, it was founded in 1990 by Pat Robertson to pursue legal cases that benefit assholes. I'm sorry, Christian conservatives, has been <laughs> annually sending hundreds of thousands of dollars to its sister affiliate in Moscow uh. called the Slavic Center for Law and Justice. And according to uh, the American Center's tax records, they've been giving all this money to the Slavic Center's law, the, the Moscow-based one. The chief counsel, the chief lawyer for the American one is Jay Sekulow. He kind of runs the whole thing. And the Slavic one is directed by a guy named Vladimir Ryakovsky. He's a Russian lawyer who serves on Putin's Human Rights Council. What the fuck is Putin's Human Rights Council doing? What do they do? They don't have... I don't even understand what Putin's Human Rights Council could possibly be. And this year, Ryakovsky joined the Public Collegium of Press Complaints. That's a group that self-regulates the media and handles, quote, complaints from the media audience about violations of professional ethics of journalists. I guess he's in charge of fourth floor windows in Russia. And I wonder if Ryakovsky would field my complaints about Scott Atlas's interview on Russian state television. Oh I don't know. We'll, we'll see. find out. All right, AG, our next order story comes from the U.S. border authorities. Now, this is, I this these stories infuriate me with things that are happening with children at the border under the Trump administration. So this one, apparently U.S. border authorities have been expelling migrant children from other countries into Mexico, violating a diplomatic agreement with, me with Mexico and testing the limits of immigration and child welfare laws. So the expulsions, uh, which laid out in a sharply critical internal email from a senior border patrol official, has taken place under an aggressive border closure policy the Trump administration has said is necessary to prevent the coronavirus from spreading into the United States. 
give me a break when we're one of the country with the highest number of cases. <sighs> okay, but yeah, I'm, I'm surprised they they would rather come here at all because we're so exactly we have such like no control of the of the of the pandemic. It's and it's also xenophobic to suggest that we have to stop refugees coming uh, to our country to you know to seek refuge to seek asylum. Uh, saying that they, that they bring disease. Right. That is just an, the oldest, dis, most disgusting trope in the book. Yes. And a part of the problem, though, is though that that conflicts with the terms upon which the Mexican government agreed to help implement the order. So we're violating it, basically, which where that only Mexican children and others who had adult supervision could be pushed back into Mexico after attempting to cross the border. Now, the expulsions put children from countries such as Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador at risk by sending them with no accompanying adult into a country where they have no family connections. I don't know when we are going to learn all of these articles coming out about the 545 to 50 kids that can't, you know, they can't reunite their parents. Now they're creating this in other countries, which is mind blowing. Under existing diplomatic agreements in U.S. policies, children from countries other than Mexico are actually supposed to be put on flights operated by Immigration and Customs Enforcement to their home countries, a.g., where they can be reunited with their families. So according to... Makes sense. Right. That's how it should be done. And according to public data, though, the U.S. authorities have expelled more than 200,000 people since a new public health border closure took effect. But the administration would not answer questions, shocking, about how many of them were children, nor about how many were sent to Mexico. So in December, border authorities acknowledged in federal court that at least 8,800 children have been expelled from the United States since March. Now, if we look at this, we thought the number was around, what, 545 that weren't, you know, weren't being able to reunite with their parents. This could be in the thousands. That's, that's, that's horrifying. Yeah, and and not just you know deporting their parents and not reuniting them, but deport, <laughs> deporting them to a country where they have no family or nor nor connection. I mean, you they're not even going back to their home country at this point, and then they're going to be separated from their parents in into Mexico. I, I, it just it's mind blowing to me. I really I really need us to get. Uh, you know, no matter what happens, and it's not going to happen under the Trump administration, but we have to get this policy in order. What a mess. Mm-hmm. What an absolute mess. I know I'm supposed to bring the funny, but this one pisses me off. So no funny right now, right? No funny. No, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. But we do have good news later. And right after this, uh, I'm going to be talking uh, with the Democratic candidate for Florida's 11th, Dana Cottrell, for our Flip It Blue segment. And then later, even a little bit later than that, I'm going to discuss protecting the results of the election, because that's very important, with a legislative chair on the Pennsylvania Indivisible Steering Committee. And she's one of the organizers of Protect the Results in Bucks County, PA. Her name is Kirsten Zolfo. So that's a really great conversation because we really have to protect our votes after this election ends tomorrow night. Um, So stick around for that conversation, too. We'll be right back. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. This episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. The pandemic didn't just test our country's economic endurance. It exposed how, you know, how important it is that we keep our immune system healthy. And that's why I recommend you take the superfood powder called Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. And you do it every day. 
All other health products boast about one vegetable. Field of Greens is packed with 18. Clinically researched essential fruits and vegetables, plus green tea, ginger, turmeric, and beets. And this powerful combination not only supports heart health, but it can support a healthy immune system, a healthy metabolism, blood pressure, and digestion. Field of Greens is loaded with antioxidants, pre- and probiotics. And just one scoop in a glass of water and you stir and you're done. So why settle for one vegetable when you can have the entire Field of Greens? Add Field of Greens to your daily routine and see why their powdered greens have earned more than 2,000 five-star reviews. Go to fieldofgreens15.com to get 15% off your first order and use promo code BEANS at checkout. That's Field of Greens. 1515.com. That's available in two flavors, regular and wild berry. Both taste great. Again, that's fieldofgreens15.com. And don't forget promo code BEANS. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is time to flip it blue. I'm blue. And joining us today for the Flip It Blue segment is Democratic candidate for U.S. Congress in Florida's 11th District. She's running against incumbent Republican Daniel Webster. Please welcome Dana Cottrell. Dana, thanks for speaking with me today. Thank you very much for having me to the show, Allison. I love Florida. It's beautiful down there. I was in uh, Nuke School. I went to Nuke School in Orlando for a couple of years. I got to spend some time down there. Tell us where the 11th district is and who lives there. What are the characteristics of your of your vote as your district? So the 11th district is, and you probably wouldn't recognize this at all, Hernando County, Sumter County, Southern part of Marion County, Citrus County, Northwestern portion of Lake. So I want you to think of it this way. You know where the University of Gainesville is, right? So we have that right there in Ocala. And then East of there would be Orlando, Disney World, <laughs> and then go south. So you're kind of like doing an arrow kind of thing. South is Tampa. We're in the middle of that on the west coast of Florida. If you've ever heard of the Wiki Wachi mermaids, that's where I live in Hernando County. Okay. So we are a beautiful area. We're on the Gulf of Mexico. So you know, we're, it's so important to us to maintain wildlife and the beauty and the environment of the area. We have beautiful natural springs here, very famous for that, and our rivers and lakes. So a beautiful area to live and to raise a family. We are pretty much suburbs. Like I said, I mentioned those major cities that surround us. So a lot of our constituents commute to the larger areas to work. We even have people here who commute back and forth to Disney for work. Some people get apartments and share and then come back for the weekends with their families. And we have some major universities in our area, but we are also rural. I don't know if you know, Ocala is farm country, it's horse country. So we do a lot of horse ranches up there and they do a lot of horses for things like the Kentucky Derby and such, a breeding, beautiful area in Ocala also. That is District 11. Our median household income is right about $45,000. Gotcha. It sounds like a really, really beautiful area. And um, I I, want to talk about healthcare because I think that's the number one issue that's facing voters. But before we get into that, because you just explained to me some of the really, really beautiful aspects uh, of your district. And I I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the environment because I know that that's important to you. Uh, and climate change, and especially restoring the Everglades and the and protecting the reefs. Can you talk a little bit about your global warming plan? So I support Joe Biden's plan for a green initiative for our nation. Um, before Biden's plan came out, I did support also the Green New Deal. 
And I think that it is important because I feel this is a jobs program. I feel that this is a movement pushing us into, really pushing us finally into the 21st century, right? To take that step forward of what is going to benefit our future for our children and our grandchildren to come. Because we can't just think about the now, we always have to think of the long-term and listen to Mother Earth as she talks to us. And one of the things that most brings that out is when I look at how we had been in lockdown in March and April, and I look at the air quality standards that were produced around the world, I looked at the new fish that we saw coming out in different places when we had less travel on the oceans. And I thought, we have to listen to what this is being said, that we have to protect our clean air, protect clean water if we're going to move forward. So I do not support fracking. I want to go away from oil and gas, and I support a carbon emissions reduction. And there's, I don't know if you've heard of Citizens Climate Lobby, but they have a wonderful plan to reduce carbon emissions, which is a payback program to the American people, kind of like Alaska does with their oil production. So moving away from that and going toward electric. Um, when we were buying our new car, we actually bought a Tesla. I wanted to go to a hybrid, but then when I looked at the dual engines and still using oil, we went to straight electric. And it has been one of the best things we have done, but we need to make that affordable for every American. So part of what Joe Biden's plan is and what I support is bringing into retrofitting factories, retraining people to go into green industries of wind and solar and electric energy. So. I think that that is where our future is. I think that's where the jobs are. And I'd like to see a push to more um, education in the schools for students to have hands-on training and technological training to push us into those types of industries. And I look forward to bringing that to District 11. Yeah, I mean, tackling climate change solves the economy problem. It it, it just does. They go hand in hand. And, and we can actually tie this into with jobs because of the, the mismanagement of this pandemic um, and tax cuts for the only very wealthy. We find ourselves in, in very precarious, uh, terrible economic situation right now. And a lot of people, because they've lost their jobs, they're filing for unemployment, they are ne- they've lost their health care. And they've lost it in the middle of a pandemic. And then you add add insult to injury. Uh, the Trump administration and folks like your opponent are trying to kill the Affordable Care Act and gut and just kick millions off of their health insurance. I was hoping you could talk a little bit about how you plan to restore uh, timely access to quality health care for, for your constituents. So for health care... I believe in opening Medicare as a public option. And I talked to a lot of people about this. The reason why I don't go with that as a general health care plan care across the nation is because we have so many people who are against it. And when you compromise with people, I like to reel people in a little more slowly, right? To see them the benefits or the errors of their think- previous thinking. But opening up Medicare for all as a public option would allow for people who are gig workers or um, who are self-employed to then pick up insurance at a much more reasonable rate. And you think of what Medicare right now is for seniors, it's $135 a month, and then they have to pick up a supplement or a plan B, right? My insurance right now with my dental and my healthcare for myself, my husband, and my son with our employee contribution is just about $1,500 a month. So I think if we could reduce that to what is 270 each, right, which is what the Medicare is. And then if you added a plan B and added my son, you're still going to be under that rate. You're going to be half that rate. (laughs) 
Right. I mean, and so you're still going to be way below. And part of the reason for that is because the cost of healthcare. When you go to private industry for healthcare, their main goal is the profit margin. They don't care about you and me. They don't care about our health. They're out to make a profit. So they cost about six, 50 to 60 cents per dollar goes toward advertising and overhead for the cost of running their business. And when you look at Medicare, it is two cents per dollar that goes to overhead and cost of running. So it is huge differential in what is going into it. I think the government then has to negotiate prices for pharmaceuticals and our Medicare plan should cover dental, health, vision, and mental health. Those, all those areas. And we will still come out with less. So what's going to happen is when we open that for a public option and we get rid of the plan B, there should be no supplemental, no plan B and open that up, you're going to see millions of people roll into this plan. And eventually it will become the plan of the, of the country. So there is no doubt that I see that as a vision for the future. But again, moving people gently, you know, leading to them to this watering hole here. Yeah. <laughs> Before you just force things on them. Um, and I will tell you, even here, the doctors in my area, because we have so many seniors in my area, they don't even take my insurance plan. I called my doctor to get a, a an appointment. He's like, well, we don't take your insurance anymore. We're only sticking with Medicare and Medicaid. I mean, so it, it is the wave of the future. It's like we said with the green energy and the, and the green deal is you have to be open to change. And a lot of people change scares them. Mm-hmm. But when we allow this plan to come into place, I think people will naturally roll into it. Yeah, well, uh, when the Affordable Care Act uh, first came out, people were trepidatious about that. So it, you know, it it just takes a minute to realize and to see it work. Now, of course, it's been completely undermined by having provisions of the Affordable Care Act already removed, which kind of destroys the the part of it that gets paid for. So we end up having to pay for it. So we're just back at a private insurance uh, situation again. And once the exchanges failed, when they got the exchanges, you know, that crashed the system too, because then so few people had to be into the plan. So you had limited access and people who were making over $75,000 a year saw their health premiums rise even under the ACA. And so I have to explain that to people because all they think is, well, the ACA upped my insurance. And I'm like, well, let's talk about why. (laughs) Yeah. And then there was also the uncertainty about what was going to happen with it um, that drove prices up too. Uh, And that was on the the side of the the private insurers. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, congressional reform, because this is a very important thing to you. And I, I know that we have to really start attacking uh, corruption. We have to expand voting rights. We need to work on equality for all. Can you talk a little bit about your congressional reform plans? Well, I have quite a few, I think. And then some of it is constitutional revision. So we have to look at how we can revise the Constitution a little more easily. Florida does a constitutional revision every 10 years. And maybe we need to look at that because it's, I think that our Declaration of Independence Constitution is the greatest documents ever written. However, times change. So I'd like to see term limits put in. And I think that the House of Representatives should go to four year terms because two years you're just running, running, running for office. You're not really getting anything done. So I think the House needs to go to four years, but I wanna see term limits of three terms for that. That's 12 years. I'd like to see term limits on the Senate for two terms. If you're doing a good job, people get upset. They're like, well, if we love you and you're doing a good job, we want you to stay in in politics, but then you should run for a different office, I believe. 
So it, it cycles people through. When you get complacent and you feel like you've just earned this because of your name or you know, you've know you been there forever, I don't think that's good for our democracy. I see that with Lindsey Graham. I see that with Mitch McConnell. I see that with my own representative, Daniel Webster. He's been serving in political offices for 42 years. And he has an R behind his name and then people just kind of vote their R or their D. Uh, another reform I'd like to see is limits on the Supreme Court terms. Mm -hmm. I do not think that those should be lifetime appointments anymore. We live a lot longer now. Um, and I'd like to see also when we get into office, possibly getting rid of our political affiliation and going to independent affiliation. And then when you vote, you're an independent, you are not affiliated to a party because then they say, well, the party did this or this party did this, you know, and I think that laws don't happen in Washington if your party can't be responsible for positive change. So then nobody's responsible for any kind of law or legislation. It is all independent. It is all for the best of the nation. And we've lost a lot of that. I also want to see changes in how the Congress runs itself. I do not think the majority party should have strict control over legislation brought to the floor. And I want to see a two for one piece of legislation that for every two pieces a majority party brings to the floor, the minority party brings at least one piece of legislation to the floor. That way we don't have bills slamming up on Mitch McConnell's desk. You're there to vote, you're there for the people, and you need to make change. And if you're going to vote against a piece of legislation that's brought to the floor, you should be on the record for that mm -hmm. because that's who people are voting for. I am a public servant and people should know where I stand on the issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Just leaving it there to collect dust so you don't have to say no to things that everybody wants on the record is cheating. <laughs> exactly. Is. Yeah. Um, I'm so encouraged, though, and just say we have so many people running for office now who have never thought to run before. So we're seeing normal Americans um, not affiliated with a family name or with money coming to office. And, and I see that is resonates with AOC and Ilhan Omar. So, so excited about new voices and new ideas. Yeah, same. And that sort of also goes along the, with the lines of your term limits uh, recommendations too. always getting new voices. It's, it's important uh, as the country changes to change the representation of that country. And I'm, I'm so encouraged to see so many uh, women and moms and, and women of color and, just people who would have never thought to run before uh, running. And it's it's so encouraging. Um, before I let you go, um, speaking of Mitch McConnell, uh, they just jammed through the nomination of uh, Amy Coney Barrett and have adjourned and without addressing the rest of the country who needs COVID relief. And, and, and can you talk a little bit about, because this could very well be up to you, <laughs> because it doesn't seem like Mitch is going to do anything. And I was wondering what you, what your plan is to help, help out the, the your voters too, but the men and women and families and people of America as well, who are struggling right now. Let me first say, I was disgusted by the actions of the Senate and Mitch McConnell for the past several weeks. Mm. First point. But second thing is when COVID first hit, um, I was teaching and I knew we were shutting down for the year. I knew that we weren't coming back. And I said, what we need to do is put money into the hands of the American people, not into corporations, not into businesses. And what I believe we should have done is every American over 18 should have received $2,000 a month. Every American under 18, $500 a month. 
And this would have been less than the two bailout packages that they had. And what would have happened with that money is you wouldn't have had to have any business or corporation paying any American. So that everybody could have shut down safely and let this ride out its course. And what my, my, my mom and dad said, well, we didn't need that money. What would we have done? I said, yes, you would still get it. However, because they're retired now, I said, what would you did? What did you do with the $2,000 that you got? Because they both got the 2000 for it. They repainted the house. So I thought, well, look at how we would reinvest this money into the economy. Look how people might be able to pay off their bills. That house painter wouldn't have to shut their business down. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> We could have done so much and Americans should be trusted to do with the money what they need to do. The other part of my COVID plan was all loan payments should have been on hiatus for one year. Not that they're forgiven or gone, but it just not an increase or just on hiatus for a year. And what that would have done is that $2,000 a month would have been directly to any kind of electric um, bill, your um, your gas, your phone, whatever you had to pay, your, your water bill and your food and just your basic sustenance for your family. And I even wanted to see mortgage payments on hiatus for a year because just in the past week in Florida, I'm looking at the eviction courts and people getting evicted from their homes and the homeless rate's gonna go up. We are not just at the beginning of a COVID resurgence. We're at the beginning of a depression in our nation that I don't think we're going to have seen before. Between the airlines laying off, the tourist industry, what happened in Orlando, them laying off Disney World and Universal, the hotels are not filling out. So the taxes that we would normally get in Florida from tourism taxes is not going to be there. Um, people evicted from the homes, the homeless rate is going to go up and winter's coming. The current administration and representation in our government has not served the American people. And I still believe in this plan and I hope to get into office and then still introduce this and get this passed because this is what needs to happen for the American people. Yeah, uh, the cheap ends up coming out more expensive. Um, had, had they done this properly the first time, I, I think you're right. Um, we wouldn't, first of all, have to come back to the table and ask for more. Um, which it appears now Mitch isn't even willing to talk about. So, But doing this plan from the beginning, as you said, doing it right from the beginning, you wouldn't have had to dip into the unemployment. You wouldn't have had to add to the unemployment benefits that people would have gotten. You wouldn't have to have this employee payments um, to their employees plan, you know, for the time that they were out of work. It would have benefited the entire nation. And I don't understand why our elected representatives won't do the right thing. They couldn't just keep it simple. I bet it has something to do with special interest money <laughs> and keep protecting the money for the wealthy. We didn't talk about that very much, but it's on my <laughs> Facebook page. There's a whole video on campaign finance reform. Yeah, I figured you'd probably be into that. Um, speaking of that, can you tell listeners where they can find the rest of your platform? Because there's so much on there. I wish we had an hour to talk to you. Uh, and also where they can contribute, volunteer, phone bank, text bank, and, and help out your campaign. Yes, thank you. So our webpage is Dana2020.com. And on that page, there is a link to donate. So if you would like to donate, we would love to have you. We are doing joy to the polls. We saw that on MSNBC the other evening. Wasn't it great? Oh, we have a float ready to go. Woo! We're getting the truck in place and we are driving to the precincts. We have a DJ and we have the music and we, yeah. And we have mobile billboards going out for election day. So 
We are so excited. So if you can donate, we would love to have donations. Um, also on my webpage is a link that if you'd like to get involved, help phone bank. We are still phone banking. We'll put you in touch with Ryan Morales. He's working our phone banking list and texting list. And our Facebook page, if you'd like to learn more about us also, is Dana Cottrell for Congress. And on that page under the videos tab, we have a Sunday night live chats we do. So we have a lot of videos on there on different subjects like education reform, campaign finance reform. We were interviewed by Black Lives Matter movement. Um, so uh, just general interviews from other public places, the Orlando Sentinel interview is in there. And I think the Citrus Chronicles on there. So you can always do that or Google search me. <laughs> That's always the one way to do it, right? Uh, like us on Twitter and Instagram. Let's see, am I leaving anything out? Did I miss any <laughs> social media pop this week? I think you got it. I think you covered it all. So that's Dana2020.com and Dana Control for Congress. Uh, I really appreciate you spending time with us today, everybody. We're going to flip this blue. We're going to do it. So if you can, again, it's Dana2020.com and Dana Control for Congress. And um, yeah, Democratic candidate for U.S. Congress, Florida's 11th district. We got to get Daniel Webster out of there. Thanks, Dana, for joining me today. Thank you. Rock the vote. Hey, everybody. This Helping the Daily Beans is brought to you by Helix Sleep. As you know, the past four years, I've had trouble sleeping, lay awake, staring at the ceiling, tossing and turning, massive anxiety. Uh, at first, I thought I was losing sleep because of this administration and the stress, but actually I had a trash mattress too. So thank gosh for Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep understands that you're unique, customizes your mattress to fit you in the way you sleep the best. They created a sleep quiz, takes two minutes online, and they use your answers to match you and your body type to the best mattress for you. And if you like a mattress that's soft or firm, or you sleep on your side, or you sleep really hot, there's a specific mattress for each and everyone's unique taste. And I have to tell you, we had the, the a most amazing couple, Anne and Debbie, who called in on a confession and said that we have a confession. We've been sleeping on a Trump branded mattress for the last four years. And I was like, oh my gosh. And Helix Sleep incredibly uh, sent them a brand new Helix Plus mattress after they took the online quiz. They're like, Debbie, uh, Anne, you, you can't be sleeping on a Trump branded mattress. And they sent them one. I think that's so awesome. This company is incredible. You don't need to take my word for it. They were actually voted number one best overall mattress by in 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired. So just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Take your two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Joining me today for the interview is the legislative chair on the Pennsylvania Indivisible Steering Committee and one of the organizers of something called Protect the Results. Those are demonstrations in Bucks County, PA. Please welcome Kirsten Zolfo. Kirsten, how are you? Hi, doing very well, thanks. A little tired. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I think we're all burning the candle at both ends uh, right now. And I have to say, like, I got a rush of like ragey adrenaline uh, the night that they swore in Amy Coney Barrett. And I really haven't slept much since then. And, I, and you know, don't get me wrong. I've been angry this entire four years, but it, it just really sunk in on that night. Special flavor of anger that came on board. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> Yeah, special flavor is a good way to put it. Um, now, uh, we have been getting and we've been talking about this on our show for a long time about the red mirage. And, and we've gotten warnings from the FBI about this in a press release talking about 
uh, interference and noise between the polls closing on election night and when we get the counts in. And uh, that, that that's going to be a very ripe time for interference and disinformation and and uh, and sowing confusion by both the Republicans and and the troll farms in Russia and all that good, good stuff. Uh, all the same stuff that we faced in 2016 that nobody did anything about. Um, and uh, we've also gotten a video warning from Chris Ray. And then we spoke personally with Peter Strzok on this show Um you know, America's number one Russian spy hunter since the beginning of time. And he warned us about this as well. And so that's why I think protect the results is so important. Can you talk a little bit about this organization and what y'all are doing? Sure. So protect the results is a coalition of at this point, I think it's over 130 groups, uh, including move on and indivisible, but also faith groups like faithful America, there's some Jewish groups involved, a lot of environmental groups, Sierra Club, um, Greenpeace, and labor unions like uh, SEIU, the Service Employees International Union, who've all come together. Uh, the guiding principle is that every vote counts, so every vote should be counted. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we are doing this here in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, though there are going to be events all across the country, and it's my understanding that some have already begun, um, This is one of those rapid response events where we think we're going to be doing it on November 4th at 5 p.m., but it's one of those situations kind of like with the Mueller events where the national organization will will give us all a tweet to say, yes, it's a go, and then we all meet up. But the reason why it's so important here in Pennsylvania is that our legislature created the new voting laws, which allow us to accept votes that were postmarked by election day but that are received up until the Friday after election day. And the Supreme Court declined to take a challenge from the Republican party on that, though they reserved their rights to potentially pick it up after the election. (laughs) But what that means is if Trump declares victory on election night, there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Pennsylvanian votes that will have not been counted, that will be legally coming in, but not counted. And that is really just stepping on the constitutional rights of Pennsylvanians, as well as people all over the country. So that's why we found it so important to make sure that we, you know, lay down a line here in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and say we are standing up to protect the results. Yeah, and all over the world, too. We get ballots in from service members, active duty service members and their families from overseas. And that would negate, you know, if if the GOP had, quote unquote, won their battle there in PA. That was a very big decision, too. It was, you know, the, the Supreme Court. Basically, they they the Republicans wanted to fast track. They wanted to expedite that. Uh, case on the merits in the Supreme Court. And just like you said, the Supreme Court was like, we're not going to fast track it, but that doesn't mean we aren't going to visit it. Uh, And so that could make a pretty big difference, uh, an an extremely significant difference in the in the vote count. And uh, I, I think it's it's of note, too, that Mary Trump tweeted out, you know, that the fact that the Republicans consider that a loss tells you everything that you need to know, because It's so clear. It's just clear as day that on one side, we want every vote to count. And on the other side, they do not want every vote to count. Can you explain a little bit why that is? Why is it that Republicans don't want to count votes? 
I think Trump may have said it best. There's a quote from <laughs> under the, the heading of saying the quiet part out loud. I'm pretty sure there's a quote of him somewhere saying, like, if these all of these changes go into place, Republicans will never win an election ever again. <laughs> so, I mean, they've made it pretty clear that they just want to stop people from voting. And I think it's really an American principle that every vote should count. And I should point out that these events that we're holding are nonpartisan. Um, we've gotten some fake leaders out who are going to open and close the event who certainly wouldn't come if this was going to be a party rally. And we actually, because um, the congressional district that we're in is such a swing district within the past 25 years or so, it's been held by multiple Democrats and multiple Republicans. We have two former congressmen who are coming out, assuming the event is on the 4th, mm -hmm. <laughs> always challenges when the date's change, um, who are coming out to speak, one Republican and one Democrat. And we're asking attendees to actually leave their campaign gear and leave their candidate gear behind because we want to make it clear that though as hard as it is to ask people to shift gears so quickly from being in campaign mode to being in a different mode, this is about an American principle, not a party related principle. Every vote should be counted. It's just that basic. So we, we are hoping to make this more of a demonstration and less of a partisan rally. Yeah. And that's such a good point, because I noticed a little bit of a shift and a little bit of a pushback from some of the, the lawmakers in the Republican Party when Trump was coming out against voting by mail or counting all the ballots, because they realized that a lot of my voters do that. And and it would be detrimental to me to not have all of my votes counted. Uh, and so, yes, it is true. When more people show up to vote, Democrats tend to do better. But if you're disenfranchising your own base, it just is, I don't understand the logic. I mean, I can attest to that, that Republican voters would be affected as well, because I've done some call banking this season where we've been calling folks who've, um, who've signed up for vote by mail just to give them information on at this point, of course, we're telling people not to put it in the mail to bring it to drop boxes. But before we were giving them information on vote by mail and we were calling lots of Republicans too. Like it's not just going to be Democratic voters who are disenfranchised if they don't count mail in ballots. I should note that our Secretary of State, Kathy Bookbar, has instructed um, the boards of election here in our counties that they are going to segregate votes that come in after election day, even ones that legally come in so that I know one of those like doomsday scenarios that people have been talking about is the potential for the Pennsylvania legislature, which is run both, both houses by Republicans to throw out all of the election as tainted and just assign their own electors. And one of the steps that's being taken to prevent that is to separate out those late arriving but still valid ballots so that even if the court decides to throw those out, which knock on wood that they won't, but even if they do, that we still have all of the other ballots that are untainted. Uh, so, I mean, it's there are a lot of complications here in Pennsylvania right now, a lot of complications. Yeah, I, I feel that. And um, here in California, we take weeks and weeks to count our ballots. Now, granted, we're generally 99 point million percent voting blue. Uh, however, it you know, this sort of happened to us in 2018. I remember watching the election results. I remember James Carville coming on and being like, well, it doesn't look like there's a blue wave oh, buh, buh, on election night. And then 
we added 20 more seats in the following weeks and ended up flipping 42 or 43 seats by the end by the end of it at seven o'clock on election night or eight o'clock on election night in 2018 everybody was kind of doomsaying on the news channels and slowly the tone started shifting and it wasn't until weeks later that everybody was like wow that was really that was a historic blue wave so yes of course we can't go by what's where things stand at 11:59 on November 3rd. Things change. Votes keep coming in. Yeah, and I'm wondering too because I know one of the issues uh for the PA vote counts to Friday for mail-in ballots that were received on postmark would even in, would even include ballots that didn't have a clear postmark on them. And I'm what I'm afraid of is that the Supreme Court will split the difference if they hear this case and say you cannot count the ones you can count the ones with a clear postmark that were postmarked before election day but not the ones without a clear postmark which is still just I, I'm afraid of that because that is of no fault of the voter. Totally. And I can tell you with how slow the ma- I mean everyone has their story about how slow the mail is. I can tell you my personal experience is I am looking at right now a card that my mom sent me for her an- for my anniversary that she sent out on October 19th that arrived here on October 28th. And it should not take nine days for something to go 90 miles. So <laughs> Pennsylvania mail slow. <laughs> I mean, folks put things in the mail nine days ago. It Yeah, it's a difficult situation. And it's going to, if there is a decision in that way, it's going to disenfranchise a lot of voters. And we really don't want to allow that. And that's part of why we want to have such a big demonstration and a bipartisan demonstration or nonpartisan, having so many people out in the streets peacefully to say, these results need to be protected. We need to have every vote count. And I should note that we're actually, our rally spot is at our board of elections, which has a lovely, nice grassy area next to it that's perfect for holding a demonstration in. So We know that there's going to be a large uh, law enforcement presence there because it is where the Board of Elections is, which we hope will increase the safety of our demonstrators. Um, This is being a swing district. There are a number of Trump supporters, but we think they're less likely to be sassy if uh, (laughs) there's a large law enforcement presence. (laughs) Sassy. Uh, now, before I let you go, I do want to talk about one race um, that I think is of particular interest, and that's the U.S. congressional race in the first district in PA, because that's where Brian Fitzpatrick is. And can you tell us, that's the incumbent Republican. Can you tell us a little bit about that race, his challenger, who backs him, and and just sort of what's going on in in the first district there? That I can do, because I do a lot of work with this congressional race. So, Brian Fitzpatrick is a Republican through and through. He tries to sell himself off as a moderate and he calls himself our independent voice. That's one of his little taglines. But frankly, he is not. Uh, He votes with Trump when it counts. Not a single one of the times that he talks about crossing party lines to vote with Democrats. None of those bills have ever been signed into law because of McConnell's graveyard. So there's, it's all just marketing on his part. He has Carl Rove as a campaign advisor. Carl Rove has come to Bucks County to fundraise for Brian more than once. Um, Steve Scalise, the Republican House whip, Kevin McCarthy, the Republican House minority leader, they have all come here to fundraise for him. So clearly they value him. He is not an independent voice. So Mm. enough about him though. 
I am so excited about Christina Finello, uh, Dr. Christina Finello, who is running against him as the Democrat. She has, um, she is a, an attorney and she also has a degree in psychology. She has worked doing community service. She worked for the housing department here in Bucks County. And she has volunteered with the veterans courts in Philadelphia. She has de demonstrated a commitment to this area. She's also a working mom. And she talks a lot about pre-existing conditions because she has one and she is focused on healthcare and she is union strong. And I could not be more excited at the idea that Pennsylvania's first congressional district could send its first female representative to Congress. So yeah, if anybody can help out, uh, this is our toss up race, it really is. So every effort makes a difference even at this late date. If you go to Mobilize, that central website with opportunities for volunteering and look up Finello, F-I-N-E-L-L-O, you will find information for call banking for her and text banking and please help. <laughs> I would also, awesome. one last thing about it. If you go on Twitter and look up the hashtag Fitzpatrick Film Fest, uh, we are going to have tons of tweets up that have little videos that us volunteers have put together over these past few months about frankly, how awful he is. And some of them are fun and some of them are sad, but they are all worth retweeting. Awesome. And then I have to just throw in that little pitch for Margie uh, because we had her on the show. She's running for state Senate. Um, she went viral. The yard sign, the yeah. like, we're rural, the non-state. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're rural, not stupid. Um, <laughs> so, so many wonderful women candidates uh, running in PA. And thank you for doing the work that you're doing on Protect the Results. Can you tell listeners where they can support or find information on Protect the Results? Sure. It's protecttheresults.com is where they can go. There's a map to show where an event is that would be closest to them that they could turn out to help at. And thank you so much for what you do, AG. I have listened to the podcast for a long time and I love it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, we have fun doing it. Well, fun. I don't know if fun's the word. Uh, we it we get a lot of therapy doing it so i appreciate i appreciate you listening because that makes you know that gives us a reason to put it out so legislative chair of the Pennsylvania Indivisible Steering Committee one of the organizers of Protect the Results in Bucks County PA Kirsten Zolfo thank you for joining me today i appreciate it thank you everybody stick around we'll be right back with the good news Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunbasket. If you're looking for fresh dinners that taste great, and they're easy to make, and they're good for you, that is what Sunbasket does. They deliver fresh and ready meals that are fast, fresh, and delicious. They heat up in just minutes. You can enjoy incredibly tasty and nutritious meals while avoiding crowded grocery stores. Sunbasket has amazing recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, too, including paleo, gluten-free, Mediterranean, vegetarian, and more. They make it very easy and incredibly convenient. Everything is pre-portioned and ready to prep and cook. So you can enjoy a dinner full of organic produce and clean ingredients in just as little as 15 minutes, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen, which is good for me because I'm a terrible cook, but these turn out so beautifully. Each week, Sunbasket offers a wide range of recipes to choose from, so you can try amazing dishes like blueberry apricot pork chops with sautéed kale, southwestern turkey and sweet potato skillet, and butternut squash quesadillas, which are so good with black beans and vegan queso. And you can order from any recipes across their menu. Skip a week when you need to or double up or snooze it's so easy to use it's so user friendly and sunbasket facilities have the highest levels of food and safety employee employee safety because they reinforce their strict adherence to their operating procedures but they've also increased sanitization frequency in their distribution centers to protect you and your family and their employees 
And right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout for $35 off your order. Sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and don't forget to enter promo code dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for the good news. Dana, it's uh, it's Monday night before the election. Good news segment. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> okay. <sighs> I'm ready. I need some good news. Give me some good news before bed. I don't think I'm going to sleep tonight. I don't know what everyone else is doing, but let's see if we can figure this out. Okay. Well, I've, I'm going to do, I'm going to hit a correction first from Marie. Uh, okay. And Marie says, hey, AG, also a PhD scientist, molecular and cell biology, like you. But in addition, I used to work at a law firm. The terms arbitrary and capricious come from the Administrative Procedure Act to the extent, quote, to the extent necessary to decision. And when presented, the reviewing court shall decide uh, all relevant questions of law interpret constitutional and statutory provisions and determine the meaning or applicability of the terms of an agency action, the reviewing court shall, one, compel agency action unlawfully withheld or unreasonably delayed, and two, hold unlawful and set aside agency action findings and conclusions found to be arbitrary, capricious, and abuse of discretion or otherwise not in accordance with the law. And Marie wanted said she wanted to point that out. When judges use the terms arbitrary and capricious, they are citing the APA and basically saying that the government did not follow its own or reasonable processes in coming to a decision or taking action. Chief Justice Roberts was also relying on the APA in the SCOTUS decision to, on ending DACA by not allowing it. The APA is a powerful tool to keep the government, especially the executive branch, in check. Uh, the APA is part of what compels agencies to engage in notice and comment rulemaking rather than just changing rules and regulations willy-nilly and or, like, arbitrarily and capriciously. Apologies if you've covered this. I'm a regular listener, but work a full-time job from home, or as my brother says, living at work, <laughs> and I don't hear every word of every episode. <laughs> you mentioned the strength of language in a recent court decision, quoting arbitrary and capricious, and I wasn't sure if everyone would have have, have that APA context. Thanks for keeping up with it all. You'll do great as a lawyer. Thank you so much. Now I want to study the APA. I know. That was fantastic. Yes. Now, she says she's a PhD scientist in molecular and cell biology like me, but that's not like me at all. I am a I am a doctorate in health administration. So that's different. <laughs> different than... I feel like both of you are bragging. I have a degree in physical education, but it's fine. Let's move on. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love smart women. I just do. I just do. All right. We have, um, I believe this is some good news. This is a short one, but we're going to throw it in there. This one's from Ariel, pronoun she and her. Distracted and overwrought, as many of us are, I went to the kitchen to refill my glass the other night. Just pop. I don't drink hooch anymore, alas. <laughs> I, I looked down and saw that I was pouring ginger ale in the cat's dish. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good, Ariel. I know one day I'm going to look down and I'll have socks on in the shower. I know it's going to happen. Oh, my God. That is so funny. I'm at the age now where I'm like, where are my glasses? They're on my face. Yeah. I was on the phone with my mom and the last 20 minutes of the conversation was me looking for my phone. Yep. Yep. I do that all the time. Yeah. All the time. Do the next one. Take the next one, too. That one was short. You got it. This one's from Ryan. More good news from Ryan. In Iowa's first district, pronouns he and him. After a crappy day at work, I came home to find this postcard from Julian Hartford, Connecticut. 
please see the attached picture. Uh, This made my day. After hearing about postcards to voters on your podcast, I told several friends and family about this easy way to volunteer for this election. Now I am the proud recipient of one of those postcards. I'm a strong supporter of Congressman Abby Finkenauer. Can you help me out if that's right? I think that's right. Finkenauer. Uh, All right. Look at that. I got one right. Uh, Strong supporter of Congresswoman Abby Finkenauer. Uh, She was one of the only two state representatives from Iowa that that met with our... You're like, you said Finkenauer, right? But not Iowa. (laughs) Iowa. (laughs) I I don't know what happened. (laughs) Some shit happens, man. You know, you sometimes shit just happens. And hopefully people got a good laugh. Uh, She was one of the only two state representatives from Iowa that met with our group when I accompanied my father on his honor flight last year. She was also, uh, she's also been a huge advocate for our community in securing federal funding after an inland hurricane called a derecho tore through our August, our state August I remember that. Goodness. Yes. My wife and I volunteer and foster for a local cat shelter. I've attached picture of our latest foster kittens. Lucy is the black one. Fred is the gray one. And Ethel is gray and white striped one. Look at these babies. I love Lucy. (gasps) Oh my goodness. I, okay, listen. I know you give me a hard time because I'm not a cat person, but I'm a kitten person. If they could all stay that size with no dander, mm. I would take a billion of them. Yeah. But I need them to also not not kill you like cat Olympics. Yeah. And then cat Olympics while you're trying to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do eventually get kind of old. And I, one of mine's a super chonk, so he doesn't move much. So there's no cat Olympics happening uh, late at night from the 14 year old, 25 pound chonk of rama. Um, <laughs> I love this. That and is the, uh, there's a postcard picture. There's the postcard picture. Oh, look yeah, how cool! That's fantastic. Vote, 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 Team Abby. Oh, how cool! Thank you for sending those in. Um, it's got to be cool to get one of those postcards for voters. You know what I mean? Like totally. Yeah. I want a postcard. Someone send me a postcard. They probably don't send right. too many to California. They're like mm. probably not. <laughs> They're like we're gonna save the stamps. Thanks, Dana. Yeah. <laughs> Next up from Zach, pronouns he and him. Hello, Daily Beans ladies. As a lifelong liberal independent, I find myself having friends who are diehard Republicans. The good news refers to one of them. My best friend for the last 15 years, let's call him Darren. Okay. Was raised as and continues to be a very conservative individual. In a recent conversation with him about politics, Trump was brought up. He voted for him in 2016 because of his misplaced disdain for Secretary Clinton. No need to go into any further detail about that. But he gets his info from Fox propaganda. Yeah, so Russia. So I've patiently argued against him on that. 2020 will be a different case, however. I can't say for sure whether it was because of our conversations, many of which cited information from your podcast. Yay! But I have to think it played a role. He has voted for Biden, even though many of his better instincts tell him not to. Even better than that, he has realized the folly of Fox Propaganda Network and now takes virtually everything they say with a grain of salt. He's still a Republican libertarian, but recognizes that a vote for Trump is a vote against the United States of America and what it stands for. A little more work, and he might even change his registration from R to I. Thank you for what you do and the hard work you put into this podcast as a daily listener. I can tell you it's one of the bright points of 2020, knowing there are people out there working hard to bring a light uh, to the disgustingness of this administration, capital D, disgustingness. Fingers crossed we voted in numbers too big to manipulate, and we only have about another 90 days until Republicans 
across the country can awaken from their hibernation and finally admonish 45's behavior. Might be too late, but better late than never, especially when he gets impeached again <laughs> and the numerous criminal charges finally get brought. I... Thank you, Zach. Impeached again? No, he, he, he needs to go away. Yeah, indeed, indeed. All right, we've got good news. Good news from Mariah. No pronouns given. Forgive me, Lumen- uh, excuse me, Leguminati, for I have sinned. Kinda. Ooh, uh, a confession. Yeah. Ooh. It's also good news. Yes, there are a grand total of three signs in my blue neighborhood for Lord Feltersnatch. <laughs> Felters- Feltersnatch. I love it. Manga Mussolini, p- Papaya Polpot, Scrotus Blotus, the idiot, Phantom Menace. Trumpelstilskin. Thank you for all the names. Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Those are fantastic. <laughs> Felter Snatch. Yeah, I like Lord Felter Snatch. I do too. Whatever you want to call him. I flip each of them off as I go by. That's my confession. There were four, uh, but I'm convinced the thorough middle finger. Let me try this again. Edit on there. There were four, but I'm convinced the thorough middle finger. Fingering. Got it. Okay. As a lesbian, you should would have think I would know fingering. Okay, here we go. Uh, and we're back in... <laughs> you can leave however much of that you want in there. Okay. <laughs> I'm leaving that up to Mac and Kanai. I'm leaving that up to my editors. All right. We're back in three, two, one. There were four. Four signs. I'm convinced the thorough middle fingering one house got from me resulted in its removal, along with one of their other GOP signs. That's my good news. So we're close. We can do this. I have so much hope for the blue wave to push us across the finish line. Mariah, you had me at thorough middle fingering. Next up, from anonymous pronouns, (laughs) she and her. Greetings from Vancouver, Canada. I love your show, and I've been listening since the kitchen sink days. Oh, kitchen sink days in the sink. Someone was kind enough to sponsor me. Oh, that's so awesome. One of the perks I was looking forward to was the Friday afternoon meetup. It would be so much fun if we to have a few drinks with this community that you built. Here's my confession. Forgive Forgive me, beans, for I have been having too much fun. I've never joined you. Why? Because my husband and I have been eating copious amounts of edibles and having hot, slightly overweight 53-year-old sex as soon as he gets home from work. We are witches, so we also create some sex magic while we're at it. Generally, we work the magic for healing, but lately I've been sending the energy to the states so that the big orange asshole gets ousted. Keep on keeping on and doing the good work. I love you, and maybe one day he will be having a meeting on Friday afternoon. Be calm, be kind, be safe. This pick is our pod pup. Watson. Oh my goodness. (gasps) Look at the snow on Watson's beard and mustache. He is a bearded gentleman. He is quite the bearded gentleman. He is beautiful. Anonymous, that was a really great confession, by the way. Thank you. That was really good. I love a good (laughs) confession to end some good news. (laughs) Yes. I mean, between that and the middle fingering, I think we've had as much sex talk as we should for one episode. Yeah. Thorough middle fingering and sex magic. (laughs) Can that be the name of the episode? (laughs) <laughs> middle fingering and sex magic oh shoot okay no you're like no dana no. it can't be fine I've... it's the last day before the election i didn't I know what we were allowed to do we have legitimate candidates for congress on this show can you imagine if your show came out the one that you were on and it's called <laughs> that's true <laughs> Never mind. Although if it was me, I mean, if you're making that specifically, Dana, could you imagine? The answer is yes. It's, it's called, you know, finger blasting the mage or whatever. Yeah. We can't do that. Okay, we can't fine. Do it. I don't know why I agreed to this gig. 
(laughs) (laughs) For the good news segment. It's for times like these. Thank you all for sending in your good news. As you can tell, we might be a little bit at the end of our rope, having it be one day before the election. So The strings are popping. You know when you pull a rope and it goes ping, ping, Mm. ping, and you can just see it unraveling? That's what's happening right now in my brain. Ping, ping, Yep. So uh, we will be back tomorrow, though, and in addition to the regular podcast, we will be having a live stream for the election results. Go to waveelection.show, and all the information will be there, and I look forward to seeing everyone there. And uh, any, any final thoughts, Dana, before um, yeah, <laughs> before no, we... <laughs> do you really want to know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, final thoughts. This We're in the home stretch, and we may not know tomorrow. And hopefully we do, because like you always say, we voted in numbers too big to manipulate. Um, however, I just take care of yourselves tonight. I know that's your line and you will do it and say it again, but we got just self-care tonight. Please, please. Yeah. Yeah. And watch Florida. Keep an eye on Florida. We're, we should have the Florida results tomorrow night. And uh, if I've been playing around with that interactive map at 270-270-to-win.com. And if you give biden florida there's literally not a way for trump to win i mean there are but it's it's impossible uh and so we're going to be keeping an eye on florida and how beautiful would it be if the state that he moved to to get away from new york because they hate him voted against him in numbers too too large to manipulate too big to manipulate how beautiful would that be if the state of florida gave him a middle fingering. It would be poetic justice. And I do want to say, though, if Trump does win Florida, he still has a really hard path to the presidency. Yes. Biden has multiple, multiple paths. And every, if you run the election 5,000 times, 100,000 times, excuse me, if you run the election in different simulations 100,000 times, 90 times out of 100, Biden wins. So it's here we are now. Of course, that being said, ignore me if you haven't voted. You got to vote. Vote, vote, vote. Please, so. please, please, please. All right, that's it. That's all I have until tomorrow, everyone. (laughs) Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet and vote. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>